0: Everyone, welcome back to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and today we are going to talk about motivation. I don't know about you, but at this time of year, I could use a healthy extra dose of motivation. So I thought this was the perfect time to broach this topic, and we are specifically going to talk about motivation in terms of how to apply motivational interviewing techniques and principles, especially for those seemingly unmotivatable clients. I don't know. Is that a word? I think I might have just made it up. But whether you are new to the profession or you've been in it for decades, you know that even our most motivated clients can struggle with the change process. We can think we want change. We can say that these are our goals, but getting through the obstacles, can be where the real challenge lies. So we know that as health coaches, personal trainers, group fitness instructors, this is our greatest calling. And this is what to me separates us from the masses is our ability to motivate our clients and keep them wanting to come back for more we know that motivation is complex. It's it's really very, very personal. What motivates me is so different from what motivates you. And frankly, what motivates me today is so different from what motivated me 20 years ago, because motivations change over time. And so to be an effective motivator, I think that the key is that we have to build relationships with our clients, so that they feel validated, and they feel understood, and they feel heard. It's a collaborative relationship. Relationships are the foundation for anything that we do in life. Think about your favorite teacher or a mentor or your best boss that you've ever had. Chances are they didn't just tell you what to do and guide and direct you. My guess is that they were a great motivator and they served as inspiration. They really wanted you to be your best. You trusted that person. My guess is you trusted your favorite boss or your favorite trainer, your best mentor. And trust is a pivotal word. And it's a big key component of motivational interviewing, because trust requires collaboration and mutual respect. And anytime we have a trusting relationship with our clients, they're more likely to buy into whatever it is that we are offering to them. So I think one of the best ways for us as fitness professionals to understand this whole concept of intrinsic motivation, building motivation from within our clients is to learn about motivational interviewing. It's an evidence-based approach that is used widely. It's used in mental health. It's used in the medical field. And I use it, actually. I apply it with my clients in mental health, and I also apply it with my clients in fitness. But it invites positive behavior change in our clients so again i'm angie miller and i am coming to you today to talk about that keyword motivation and how to use principles from motivational interviewing to build intrinsic motivation in our clients so basically motivational interviewing in a nutshell encourages clients to talk themselves into active change and to make beneficial changes in their lives that will get them to their goals. The key is that clients talk themselves into it instead of us telling them what to do. I don't know about you, but most of us don't love to be told what to do. Most of us love when it's our idea, or at least when someone makes us think that it's our idea. I mean, come on, if you're in a relationship, isn't that how you you know get along best with your partner is you want something, but you make them think it's their idea, okay? So clients hire us to motivate them, to guide them, to build their confidence, not just to dictate what we think they should do and not just to prescribe what we think is best for them. So in my last podcast, I talked about motivational interviewing and specifically I shared some questions that we can ask our clients to build intrinsic motivation. And those were oars. Okay, and if you missed it, I hope you go back and listen because I think it'll be worth your time and you'll be glad you did. But the questions that I shared invite what motivational interviewing calls change talk. Change talk is when we encourage our clients to talk about why they want to change, not just, you know, here's my goals, but why do they want those goals? Why are those goals important to them? And how do those goals tie into their values? Because our value system is what builds intrinsic motivation. So why do they want to lose weight? Why do they want to feel stronger? Why do they want to build muscle? We want to know the why behind their their goals that they'd come to us and, and address with us. So Change Talk helps our clients overcome what we call ambivalence. And all of us, we all know what ambivalence is, even if we don't use the word ambivalence. Ambivalence is that fear or that reluctance to change that kicks in when we think about change. So, you know, a lot of times, let's just take something simple. I always think about letting go of sugar, eating less sugar in my life. And so, you know, I know all the reasons why I should eat less sugar, but I have some ambivalence about my My ability to do that, or is it really necessary? What about dark chocolate? Can I eat a little bit of this? Often we can list a million reasons why change isn't possible. But we want our clients to list a million reasons why it is possible. That's what we want to invite or elicit from our clients. We can all, you know, I can tell you a million reasons why I can't change some of the things that I really wanna change in my life. I I really wanna work on getting more sleep. And I can tell you a million reasons why that isn't always possible. Well, I have all these people that I answer to and all these responsibilities, but what I want, if if I was my client, I was working with somebody what i would want them is for me is for them to draw out of me all the millions of reasons why it is possible for me to get more sleep so i told you in our in my last podcast that i would talk about the four processes or the four you know the foundational elements of what motivational interviewing is and what it looks like And then I would talk to you about some techniques, some simple skills that we can apply as trainers to get our clients out of ambivalence, get them talking about change and build their intrinsic motivation so let's start with the four processes of motivational interviewing these help us basically just build a good system of communication with our clients so that we have a really successful client trainer relationship this is like you're dating okay when you first start dating somebody i would say you could use these four processes in the dating process as well because what they are is they're engaging focusing evoking and agreeing. So it's engaging the client in a relationship, focusing on what they want to change, evoking their reasons for change, and then agreeing on a plan. So not every motivational interviewing session or not every session with our clients will include all four processes, and they don't necessarily go in linear order. But the first one, first and foremost, is about engaging. It's a foundation of building a positive working relationship with our clients. If I were dating, I'm not dating, I've been married for a very long time, but back when I was 29 years ago, I remember that engaging was very important. Building that relationship with that person was really important. And some of the key tools to engage or build a relationship with our clients is that we have to build an alliance with them. Somehow we have to get across to them, I'm really interested in you. I really want to know your personal story. You're not just one of a million clients that I'm training. Another way is that we build that connection and we foster trust and authenticity. And some of how we do that was through the ORS questions. And also I'm going to use some rulers that I'm going to show you how to use later. Another way is that we actively listen to what our clients have to say. And when we were going through ORS, I talked about reflective listening and summaries so that clients would know that we authentically heard and understood them. And then last but not least, that reflection part which again is part of ORS, which is where we express empathy and compassion. We don't just hear what they have to say, but we express empathy and compassion. We can relate to their story and we really wanna help them. So number two, the second process of motivational interviewing is focusing. We all have to get focused. This is a big struggle for me in everyday life. How about you? Where you have a million tasks to do, but you have to find your focus. You have to get steady in what it is, where are you going and how are you going to get there? So this is where we really help our clients target their goals. So why are they coming to see us? What do they most wanna work on? So this is where we really have to get out of that mode where we're just prescribing and telling them what to do, but we're actually guiding them. So in the beginning stages, especially if they ask for advice, Maybe we just kind of try to honor their expertise and give them some personal autonomy. Remember that motivational interviewing started in the medical field. It started with, you know, it worked well with those who struggled with addiction. And so we all know that if somebody struggles with addiction and we just simply say to them, you need to stop smoking or you need to stop drinking. Well, that doesn't work. They need to come to that conclusion on their own and we need to motivate them. So again, before I continue with focusing, I want to tell you, I'm Angie Miller. And again, we are talking about motivational interviewing. And I'm reviewing reviewing the four processes or the foundation of motivational interviewing. So maybe our client asks us for advice. They come to us and right away, they're like, what do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? Well, I don't know about you, but I raised two daughters and I fell into that trap many times where they would come to me and say, what do you think I should do? And I would be happy to fix them. I would be happy to tell them exactly what I think they should do. And if it went wrong in any way, I was the first person that they could turn to and be like, oh. That wasn't good advice so in the beginning especially we really want to elicit these answers from our clients and guide them in the process of coming up with their own solutions so we could say something like it's really up to you but i can tell you about some options some things that you could try or if you want to this is something that i've used with other clients and it's worked well for them so the third process of motivational interviewing is evoking. And this is really the heart of motivational interviewing, evoking that desire to change, getting them out of ambivalence and getting them into the change process. This is where we really explore and strengthen what are their motivations to change and how ready are they to start getting involved in the change process. So in the evoking process where again, we're listening for that change talk. And then last but not least, we make a plan. This is where we decide, we sit down with them and we set them, set some goals and we work with them to put a collaborative plan into action. So remember above all motivational interviewing is about positive behavior change. And in order to do that, we have to find a way to tap into our client's intrinsic motivation to meet their goals. So to do that, Once we understand those four processes, we can implement ORS, those questions that we talked about, the open-ended questions, affirmations, reflections, and summaries. And then last but not least, I have two really fun rulers for you to try. I think you're going to love these rulers because they're super user-friendly. You can use them with any client in any setting, whether you're working as a wellness coach or whether you're working as a fitness coach. They're easy. They're simple. So let's give it a shot let's start with the importance or the readiness ruler let's say a client comes to you and they say they want to start exercising but when it comes to nutrition they really aren't ready to make any changes when we hear this as trainers or as coaches what kicks in what motivational interviewing refers to is a writing reflex. This reflex that we have, like I mentioned with my daughters to fix our clients to right their wrongs to see to be like, Oh, no, 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 put on the brakes here. This is what you need to do to get your goals met. But our writing reflex means that again, we're guiding and we're directing our clients. We're trying to persuade them or dictate to them instead of letting them come to that conclusion on their own. Because remember, most of us, we like to feel like it's our idea. We're more intrinsically motivated to change when it's our idea, not someone else's. And when we don't feel like somebody is dictating that we need to do this. So let's say they come to you and they, they give you that, they pose that problem to you. So we start by asking this question. On a scale of 0 to 10, where 0 is not important at all, and 10 is very important, how important is it for you, too? And you can fill in the blank. And you know what? If you really want to make this visual, you could put little markers on the floor. You could put 10 little markers on the floor and tell them on a scale of 0 to 10, how important is it for you, too? And you have them step onto the marker, the number that designates how motivated they are. So maybe it's how important is it for you to learn simple trips to tips to improve your nutritional value? Or how important is it for you to start a daily exercise routine? Or how important is it for you to feel healthier? Whatever it is that they just told you was their goal. So let's say that the client says that on a scale of 0 to 10, where 0 is not important and 10 is very important, they say 6 now is when we get to encourage them to reflect on why did they say six so then we would ask why are you at a six and not a three we're asking our client why they're not at a lower number versus a higher number because we want to encourage them we don't want to shame them or make them feel guilty if we say well how come you're not at a 10 automatically that kind of invites me to get defensive. And I feel kind of shamed, like you think I should be at a 10, but I was actually pretty proud of a six. So we don't want to shame them or make them feel bad. We want them to focus on what's working. We want them to focus on change in a positive way. So if I say that I'm at a six, i might answer something like well i'm at a six because i've been shopping the perimeter of the store and trying to buy healthier foods okay so again now i'm talking about change in a positive way i'm telling you all the things that are working that made me want to be or that got me to a six but if you were to ask how come you're not at a 10 angie then i'd probably get defensive I would right away feel defeated. I would feel like you were judging me. And if I feel like you're judging me, I really don't want to work with you. And then I would have to defend, how come I'm at a six? In other words, I would want to stay at a six. So I might say something like, well, I work long hours and meal prep is really difficult for me. So now I'm digging in my heels and I'm telling you why I should be a lower number. So again, ask them, how come you're at a six and not a three? So then we can ask, how high, how high would that number need to be for you to be willing to whatever it is? How high would that number need to be for you to be willing to add more tips to add nutritional value to your diet? Or how high would that number need to be for you to want to start an exercise program? Or how high would that number need to be for you to feel healthier? So if they say it needs to be a seven, doesn't matter whatever number they say, then our answer is, what would it take to get you there? So we're not just solving our clients problems. We're not just telling them what to do. We are inviting these questions to elicit change talk to get them to really process why am I motivated? Why do I want these goals? And what is it going to take to get me there? And we're not giving them any answers. They're doing all the heavy lifting. They're telling us why. And in the process of doing this, we are getting so many answers. So Again, they're doing the heavy lifting and they're telling us why they're ready to commit to change. So before I tell you about the second ruler, because I told you I was gonna share two rulers with you today. Before I tell you about the second ruler, remember that when we think about change, anytime we think about positive behavior change for our clients, we need to consider, does the client believe that change is important? Does the client feel confident that they can make the change. So it's about importance. It's about their confidence in being able to do it. And are they committed to change? And I'm going to explain these a little bit more. So we're going to use a scaling ruler to determine this. And I really hope you use this with your clients, because I think you'll get so much information from them, even if you've been working with them for a long time. Because remember, motivations change over time. So again, I'm Angie Miller. I am talking about motivational interviewing. I went through the four processes of motivational interviewing, and now I'm sharing two rulers to help you build intrinsic motivation in your clients. So with the scaling ruler, first we ask, on a scale of zero to 10, where zero is at the bottom, not at all, and 10 is at the top, how important, the keyword is important, is it for you to whatever it is that they said their goal was. How important is it for you to lose 10 pounds? How important is it for you to build muscle? Okay. Then, because the reason why we're asking this is importance is key. Maybe I went to my doctor. My doctor told me that I needed to lose weight for health purposes but maybe my buy-in really isn't there. I got a trainer because somebody told me I should, but really I'm not completely bought into this whole thing. So if it is important, then this is where I want to know why, right? So how important is it to you? And why is it important to you? Because why, again, taps into our values. What's my value system? Why do I want to lose 10 pounds? Not why did my doctor tell me to? So then we can say, On a scale of zero to 10, how confident are you that you could actually lose 10 pounds? And confidence is key. It might be important to me, but am I confident I can do it? I mean, I've been through a lot of goals in my life, and a lot of times it might be really important to me, but I may not have the confidence that I can do it. And so confidence is key. We all know this. We have to intrinsically believe that we can do this. We have to have self-efficacy, a personal belief that we can achieve our goals. So again, they might believe that change is possible. Um, or Or they might think that it's important, but they might not believe that it's possible. They might feel like there's just too many obstacles for them to do it. So then lastly, the third question in this ruler is, in the current moment, as we sit here today, on a scale of zero to 10, how committed are you to doing that? How committed are you to losing 10 pounds? How committed are you to improving your diet? There's a difference between being confident that I can do it. There's a difference between believing that I can do it. There's a difference between actually committing to doing it. And it's really that commitment piece that helps clients cross the line. So let's say that a client says they give you a nine on importance. It's very important to them to do this, but they give you a two on confidence that you know that confidence is what you need to spend time on. Maybe they give you a nine on importance and a nine on confidence, but a two on commitment. Maybe they feel like they just can't commit to that goal at this time. So again, I'm Angie Miller, those are, I talked about the four processes of motivational interviewing, and I shared two super fun rulers, the readiness or willingness ruler, and the scaling ruler that you can use with your clients to help them build intrinsic motivation and to help get them off the fence. Like I kinda wanna change, but I am ambivalent. So this is a great way to elicit change, talk in your clients and build intrinsic motivation. I hope that at this time of year with the holidays, being here, that this is a really useful tool for you to implement with your clients, whether you're a health coach, a personal trainer, group fitness instructor, or any other helping profession. So I'll see you all next week. Thanks for joining me.